My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Trump Thomas here, back in the building. Be more today's show, episode number 98. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And folks, it's been amazing. This journey of the Be More Today show has been, um, it's been perfect. Uh, I've learned so much from each of you. Uh, we have continued to grow since our inception. Now we're on season three. And again, 62 countries, 21,000 downloads. It has been awesome uh, progressing with you guys as we move forward. And I just want to say thank you for supporting us and joining us. And the Be More Today show is everywhere on your favorite podcast platforms. And a Be More Today podcast is trending everywhere now with my book, uh, Swag Stores Open. And uh, if you don't know where we are, still, BeMoreToday.com has everything you need for all of our merchandise and the things to keep you moving and keep you on the move. Our YouTube page is also moving with workouts. And we continue to push forward, trying to keep people doing extraordinary things every single day. So if you subscribe to our pages already, I appreciate you and your support. It does not go unnoticed. My quote for today is simple as always. And it's by Adam Grant. And it says, progress isn't always about getting better. Sometimes it's about bouncing back. Success is not only the peaks you reach. It's the valleys you conquer. And it's true. When we talk about things that we have to go through, right? We talk about getting better. It's not always about the high. Sometimes it's really about the lows. And sometimes it's not even about moving forward. It's about getting back to wherever you were. Um, for many of us, we talk about fitness. We talk about weight loss, all these different things. It's definitely a journey. It's definitely a struggle. And it's an ongoing thing that waxes and wanes because you may have great weeks. You may have um, tough weeks. But just like anything in fitness, you know, you put the work in and you will always bounce back. Uh, the hard thing, I think, for most people is trying to recognize that the progress isn't always about getting better. Sometimes it's just about maintaining. Sometimes it's about being consistent. Sometimes it's about you, you going out there and doing what you have to do to get from day to day, keeping consistently to what you had said you wanted to do. And that by itself is progress. So if you're out there and you're recognizing that, you might not be where you want to be or you're you're taking longer to get where you want to be in terms of your fitness goals, in terms of your even your personal goals, your life goals, whatever those things may be. I'm here to remind you that success is not only the peaks you reach. 
it's also the valleys you conquer and the struggles you get through, uh, whether it's you saying you want to get up today and just get a workout in. Um, 30 minutes, right? You got 30 minutes in. That's awesome, right? It doesn't have to be a crazy thing where you're doing what people see on Instagram or whatever else. You're doing what you have to do. Maybe you say today, I'm not going to go out there and eat that thing, or I'm not going to go out there and do whatever I have to do um, that brings you back or sets you back. You're just saying, I want to bounce back to where I was, or where I was yesterday. All those things are progress as well. And I want you to just be encouraged that progress, again, is not just about the highs, because we always talk about the highs, right? The great thing we're doing on Instagram, whatever else, we put those things out, we promote those things, we love those things. But it's also about the values that you get through. And if you have been like me through the last couple of years, you've had some highs and lows. But I continue to just encourage you to keep moving forward through the highs and the lows. And my guest for today is someone who continues to inspire others to do just that. Uh, he's a great friend of mine. He's a, uh, an MD in South Jersey. And he's also someone who wrote a chapter in my book, the Viewer Today book, and has been a great mentor to me in so many ways. And his name is Dr. Dwayne Fredericks. Now, Dr. Fredericks is not just my boy, right? But he's also an established bariatric surgeon. Dr. Fredericks has had extensive experience in providing surgical and non-surgical methods in medical weight loss. He is an ardent proponent of combining healthy lifestyle choices with the highest quality medical care to put a stop to the obesity pandemic person by person. Now, the doctor has helped hundreds of his surgical patients successfully lose significant weight, mm -hmm. get their lives back and reduce their comorbid conditions like diabetes, hypertension, and sleep apnea. Long-term weight loss through standard practices is largely achieved by interventions that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and they can alter gut hormone levels that are, are responsible for hunger and uh, other things, right? Thereby leading to a new hormonal set point or weight set point. He has observed that surgical interventions are only a tool for achieving successful weight loss and that it's a tool that is not managed effectively. Uh, through education and appetite control solutions, even surgical interventions can lose their efficacy in the long term. And for those patients that have experienced weight gain or weight regain after weight loss surgery, and for those who may be obese or looking for alternative methods to weight loss surgical interventions, Dr. Fredericks is seeing patients at his own place, Omega Weight Loss Center in South Orange, and that's in South Orange, New Jersey. He's graduated from Temple University School of Medicine and completed his residency at the Graduate Temple University Hospital. He had a fellowship in bariatric surgery at New York University, studying under renowned surgeons, Dr. George Fielding and Dr. Christine Ryan Fielding, with a particular focus on the adjustable gastric banding technique mm -hmm. in bariatric surgery. He's also worked directly for Allergen, at the original originators of the lat band, and Ethicon, the originators of the realized band. He's done so many things in the community. He's also a member of my, my church and folks, we do Spartan races together. He's just a brother of mine, and I'm glad to see this guy out here doing his thing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage, my boy. <laughs> yes, sir. And the man with the master plan, Dr. Dwayne Fredericks. Dwayne, yes. what's going on? What's going on, baby? How's it going? We're here, man. Wow. That's great. Why, why, you couldn't wait two more episodes to put me on 100. It would have been nice, right? <laughs> it would have been real nice. <laughs> It would have been real nice, but I had to have you on now because why not? And I got to catch you when I can catch you. I know, I know. I know. We're fine and, for a minute now. Yeah, no, I'm glad we did this. And, you know, the, the folks may not know, but you, you, Dwayne, have been 
a big brother to me in, in a lot of different ways. You know, you you were there for me as I was going through my board exam uh, mm. struggles. You were very uh, supportive and encouraging. Um, just helped me to, to stay focused. And, you know, as a, another Black healthcare professional out there uh, doing his thing, it was just great mm. to be able to confide in you about certain things. Um, when, it come, when it came to uh, the healthcare uh, perspective and also just life. And, you know, we, we've done races together. We've worked out together. We've done so many great things in the community together in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and other places. It's just great mm-hmm. to have you on the show. And again, you wrote a chapter in my book, which I truly appreciate for <laughs> the rest of my life. So it's just great to have you on the show today. And I'm excited about the work that you're doing in your community. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, really man. Thank you. What an introduction. Are you sure that's me? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to enlighten people on this crazy epidemic. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. So listen, I want to get into it. We have a lot to talk about, but, um, you know, a lot of doctors go into medicine for a number of reasons and some specialize in orthopedics and others in general medicine, but your focus is really about weight loss and obesity. What made you decide to make this the primary focus of your practice? <laughs> well, you know, that, that's a really good question because that's not where I intended to be in. Um, I, after doing my fellowship, actually before that, doing my residency, you know, I was in the verge of when laparoscopic surgery became the thing. People stopped doing as much open procedures and started to do more laparoscopic procedures. And some of the younger surgeons, at that particular time, I was one of the younger surgeons, we were so accustomed to playing um, Xboxes and Game Boys, but we were very proficient in doing laparoscopic surgeries. And one of my um, attendees told me, you know, you're pretty good with this laparoscopic stuff. You know, you want to think about doing a fellowship in that? And I was just about to finish doing my surgical training, my fourth, my fourth year. And so I said, okay, well, I don't know. That's I'm almost done. That means I have to go back and do a fellowship. But yeah, I think it's a good idea. The way things are trending, you probably want to um, be really good at this. You might want to think about specializing in laparoscopic surgery. So at that time, I applied to fellowship for laparoscopic procedures. And one of the best um, um, availability was NYU. NYU, oh, true. So when I went there, you found out that most laparoscopic programs were bariatric components. Because the type of skill set that you really needed was a bariatric surgeon. And so I, that's when I went to NYU and, and I got into doing that. And I was like, gosh, I'm dealing with obese people. I don't know. You know, I, 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 like most people, had that kind of prejudice towards obesity, you know. But when I started to do that, those procedures get rewarded. It's a procedure where patients get better. Whereas doing my whole training, doing oncological surgery, doing vascular surgery, things don't always go right. And patients are always, um, you're dealing with cancer, you're dealing with death. When I did my trauma rotations, I, I, I love trauma, but there was always death of, associated with it. So in laparoscopic surgery, especially in obesity surgery, you would see a person really down, you know, because they're being beat up because they're obese. And there's so many things that people think of when they think of an obese person. 
and you see that person had that procedure, they get better. Right? These are people who, you know, can't even get on a plane because of the prejudice associated with that sort of thing. People who, who uh, can't run. These are things you're seeing, tangible things of a person getting better from procedures you have done and people are happy. Um, you know, most of my patients tend to be happy because they're, they're getting better. And it also started to meld with my, with my belief. You know, I'm an athlete. Well, I, I used to be an athlete. So I'm into working out. I'm into um, care. Um, after, you know, and so um, that's what led me in down this crazy path to dealing with obesity as a, um, as a, a career. And, and what you saw that, again, patients are getting better. Patients are getting off their hypertensive medications. They're getting off their sleep apnea. They're getting rid of that, sleep, that, that big sleep apnea um, mask. Um, they're getting rid of their, their diabetes. You know, some procedures, once you're off the table, you already see their levels start to improve. Where did you see that? You know, I used to do, um, I really liked vascular surgery because I'm very meticulous. And I'll do a great anesthesia joining the vessels together. A great surgery. Fantastic. And then a couple of weeks later, the whole thing goes down. It, the, the blood flow, flow decreases. And ultimately, end up having to amputate this person that you really thought you, were gonna, you did a great job on. And so, so that thing really changed me when I started to do um, minimally invasive surgery, especially weight reduction surgery. That's how I ended up doing this. Wow, that, that's incredible. You know, it's funny watching everyone's journey to do certain things <laughs> like this. Um, but I will say, you know, you and I share the same sentiment that it's great to see progress. And one of the reasons I did the PT is that I got to see progress too. I love seeing people get better and mm -hmm. then getting back to doing whatever they want to do or want to get done in their lives. Ooh, it's beautiful right, right. to be a part of that, like you just said. Yeah. And um, it's just reassuring and it just makes you feel like, okay, I'm making a difference. You and, make a difference. Yeah. You make a difference. Yeah. You don't always have to have really care, but mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You mentioned something in your, in your bio that we talked about today about, you know, weight loss and everyone having, what we call it a, a set point. Um, what is this set point of this, this weight point that we have? And does it change as we get older? Like what point in time are we supposed to be thinking about this thing? What are your, what are your thoughts on this? My thought, and you see it in your life, right? A set point, well, ultimately, you need to realize that the body does not want to lose weight, right? Because weight is a stored energy source. So the body's always going to protect that, okay? And so it monitors, it monitors that. It monitors that by part of the brain, basal ganglia, the hypothalamic, which is the master gland. And so when we're young, and it's usually based on your genetics. When you're young, you're probably, you're probably at a certain weight and things are fine. You could lose weight, gain weight, and it always came back. You thought you were cool, right? But things will start to affect that set point where the body thermostat lays. That's a good way to put it. Certain things will start to raise that thermostat, okay? And most of these things are usually inflammatory in, in nature. First thing that really starts to happen, especially in this country, that standard American diet was very inflammatory. It slowly starts to raise that set point insidiously, okay? Then life starts to hit you. 
okay, that's part of the time, high school, you go into college, and you start to go under stress. Increasing stress is inflammatory. That sort of raises that set point, okay? And so, you know, you're going through your life, your college, you test your scores, all those types of things start to are stressful. You get your first job, it's stressful. So those things lead to that set point slowly rising. And then you do things to, and that set point and not sleeping, sleep. Oh, a person not having good sleep. Poor sleep, poor weight loss, uh, poor weight management. My, one of the hardest patients for me to deal with are hospital employees that work night shift. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because they don't get good sleep, they eat poorly. And so that inflammatory aspect of not having good sleep slowly starts to raise that set point. Now, you'll probably start to take certain medications to help you sleep. Medications can re- raise your set point. Any kind of medication that gets you browse, Benadryl, um, something like that, yeah. Um, and then certain medications for depression, hypertensive medications. Medications, once again, can raise your set point. So now your set point, which, which used to be down here, right, when you're in high school, is now up here. It's elevated. And so you decide you want to lose weight at this particular time. And you can. You can start to lose that weight. And as you start to lose that weight, that monitor goes off in your basal ganglia. Because why? Because now someone's gone and depleted me of my energy source. And so the brain is like, how are we going to get our energy back? I get a certain amount of kilocalories from carbohydrates, four kilocalories. I get a certain kilocalories from protein, four kilocalories. I get nine kilocalories when I start to lose fat, right? So <laughs> that's a big chunk of energy you're starting to lose. And your body wants to get its energy back. And so it starts to respond, okay? It wants to fix things. Sort of like my wife, she wants to fix everything. So it starts start to secrete. Ghrelin. Ghrelin is your hunger home. And all of a sudden you start to eat. You get back up here. Wow. Okay. I'm going to get serious now. I try to lose this weight again. And you go back on the diet, become restrictive, restrictive type of diet. Those fat cells start to shrink. And now your leptin levels, another hormone, it starts to get affected. Leptin affects how satisfied you are. So before you used to take a hamburger to satisfy you. Now it takes a hamburger, a Big Mac, a Whopper, and the fries to satisfy you to get you back here. Your body metabolically adapts. Your metabolically start to change. You adapt to get that weight back up here. Okay? That set point is part of our nature. It protected us during times of famine when foods are scarce. You had the ability to protect your energy source, right? And so it's built into us. It's a primal control of the brain in response to weight. So when you tell a person, stop eating and and stop that, yeah, they can stop it for a while. And if your set point is still up here, because it takes a good year for that to change. If your step one is still up here, you're going to put that weight back. 
So it's a constant struggle. That's why I understand when a person is having issues controlling their weight because you really have a hard time unless there's a change of your lifestyle, okay? The one of the few things that'll have that set point come back down, because again, it keeps fighting, is surgery, okay? And that's what I do, okay? Surgery will lower that set point. But again, you alluded to it. Surgery is only a tool, okay? Those couple of years, that's the honeymoon period. Because I have lots of patients that come to see me. Dr. Fredericks, I love you. I've lost all this weight. I love back, back now getting a plane without any problems. I can now go with my son on a roller coaster without having any problems. Mm. You know, I, I no longer have to wear that mask to sleep with my husband because my sleep apnea is gone. Mm-hmm. You're getting better. But honey, I still eat my mm. just, just a little less of it. So you're still eating those same inflammatory foods. You're still under stress. You haven't learned how to deal with that. So of course, it gradually starts to in, increase again. Okay. And so that's the whole dilemma. That's, what, that's also what I went through. I've had patients who lost their weight. You know, they, they do really well. But they were using the tool, but not effectively using the tool. Okay? If you have, if anyone has surgery, surgery is only one part of it. You have to have a program that has a nutritionist, a, a nutritionist, a dietitian, an exercise physiology. All those components are important to lose that weight and keep that weight off long-term. Yeah. Okay. We sort of dealt with that. Keeping that weight off long-term involves a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to, the, all the different surgical procedures I do is ultimately about nutrition. And the person to eat highly nutritious foods as opposed to highly caloric foods. You know, that, that that's, there's no real secret to it. You got to eat, eat nutritionally dense foods that keep you satisfied as opposed to highly caloric foods that put all those calories on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's big. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people get lost in that um, trying to just fill up or, you know, sometimes it's an economic thing, right? You, you only are really eating whatever you can afford or whatever's in your area, food or whatever else in the past. And, those things are real things. Um, but like you mentioned, or like I mentioned, actually in your bio, talking about the obesity rates that have been going up for the last couple of years, um, over the past decade, the obesity rate has continued to increase 30 to 42% of the adult population, right? So you're talking about surgery and other things to make sure that we keep that off in terms of nutrition and having a team around you to make sure that we're eating the right foods, dense foods, et cetera. What are some of the things that now that we're seeing this is a really a chronic issue and a chronic dilemma, um, you mentioned that there are new and advanced methods that we're using to, to, to treat this. What are some of the methods that, that we're using in addition to the surgery and the nutrition um, perspectives? Yeah. That people do keep well, their weight loss down and, and sustain that uh, for the yeah. long run. Yeah, um, you know, surgery always shows you like what kind of things are wrong right? Surgery, from doing a surgical procedure, you can see the different hormonal changes that can result from the surgery. For a long time, we were doing surgeries and on a, on a 
capable of doing a bypass the insulin requirements for a patient starts to fall immediately. Well, lots of times, patients who, ha- who are brittle diabetics, you know, taking insulin, you realize by doing the surgery, the diabetes is, is going away. So we start to recognize, well, there's certain things that, that can make the industry. How can we effectively um, do something to get that weight off? Well, your major storage hormone is insulin. Okay. If you have insulin around, you're going to be storing. You're going to be storing. If your insulin levels are low, you're going to start burning fat. Okay. But once your insulin levels are high, you're going to start storing fat. Okay. So if you're eating things that have a high glycemic index, okay, uh, like carbs, uh, refined sugars, refined processed foods, that constantly has your insulin levels elevated. Okay. Constant having elevated. Now, if you have too much of something, you sort of get resistant to it, right? If you have too much of an antibiotic, you can sometimes get resistant to that antibiotic, right? So your cell instant is a key that unlocks your cell. Okay. It unlocks the cell and that lets the glucose, the energy into the cell. That's what, how, what insulin usually does. That's its job. But if you have too much insulin floating around, that cell theoretically becomes resistant to you trying to get in there and it prevents that from happening. So that cell says, nope, I don't want any more of this glucose. So that stuff starts to pile out outside outside the cell. One glucose and another glucose and another glucose, they form a chain outside cell. That's what, that, uh, you know, you had biochemistry. That's a glycerol. That's a fat. That's a fat that starts to build up outside the cell. Okay. And so what happens in that situation? Well, some of it goes to your muscle, the glycogen. So you use it for an activity. But there's a limited store of that. That stuff is still building up outside. So your poor liver now it becomes the garbage man. He's trying to clean everything up. He's having a hard time cleaning it up, okay? And when he's doing that, your, your, um, your LDL starts to go up. You know, all, your liver becomes not fatty. And that's those, that sack, those um, bags, I mean, those, those cells get put in bags, okay? The garbage man's putting them around in bags. These are bags that go all over the they're, they're, they're visceral fat, okay? That visceral fat is inflammatory. That visceral fat, when you have too much around, I don't know, the kidneys start to get high blood pressure. When you have too much around your heart, you get cardiac disease, disinflammation. When there's too much around your liver, you start to have liver issues. When there's too much around your, your, your veins in your legs, you get vascular issues. So you're realizing that just from this increase of a particular thing, it's leading to a a disease process throughout your system. That's what we start, we we realize, right? And a red cell, which is a hemoglobin, comes along and bounces into this glucose. That's called hemoglobin A1C, all right? And so we kind of follow the trend of that 
as you're getting heavier, you can hemoglobin A1C seems to start to build up. You get more of that belly fat, you know? And so that starts to become an issue. So I follow that. And so if you're pre-diabetic, some people say, oh, you're pre-diabetic. Oh, don't worry. No, I start to worry. Because in six years, that pre-diabetes becomes diabetes, okay? And that group, that hemoglobin A1C is traveling throughout the whole system causing the damage. And so you become insulin resistant, okay? That's what insulin resistant really is. And what we realize in certain medications that we use for diabetes, making more insulin sensitive, hmm, seems to control that spiking. So it controls that hunger and it starts to get rid of the fat. And so that's one of the medications we tend to use. Insulin resistance is a big problem because even when you're under stress, and I mentioned, you kept hearing me mention stress, when you're under stress, your cortisol levels go up. Cortisol, you know, your, your stress hormone. Either you're going to fight or run, fly. You need that's an energy source. So insulin is involved in that. So again, if you're under constant stress, constant cortisol release, constant, your insulin become, slowly start to become insulin resistant as well. And the same sort of thing starts to happen. You get belly fat starts to develop. And so what we're doing now, one of the things that I do is I use some of these medications um, that work in that aspect of it. I really control your insulin levels and help bring that down and helps control your appetite. Because their hormones, you see, this is getting, it's real. Obesity is not a simple disease, not a simple um, issue. Because that's one area that's, that, that it's dealing with. But some of these medications now slow down your gastric emptying. So if it's slowing down your gastric emptying, you're going to feel full a lot sooner and sort of controls your appetite. Okay. Some of these medications work in that hypothalamic area again. So that's where your reward centers are. Okay. The dopamine is released in those areas. So if I, because that's what happens with the food, certain foods are addictive because they release the dopamine and you feel, <sighs> mm -hmm. okay, that's your comfort foods. And, and when you're feeling that dopamine release, you, you want it, okay? In fact, cocaine and sugars light up the same area in the limbic system so when you do MRIs, it's hard to distinguish that because it's affecting you in that same way, okay? So now if you have some medications that work in that dental regions that help control that, you can now control a person's cravings mm. and then redirect them. All these medications, mind you, go in conjunction with nutrition. Okay, if I can control your appetite and I send you to the supermarket to pick up this, you're going to pick up this. But if I can't control your appetite, you're going to pick up this, you're going to look for this too. Oh. <laughs> and so that's what kind of happens if I can't, when, when you've lost that weight and the hunger starts to come back and I can't control that, 
these medications can do that. And so I can I, I sort of like slap you in your face and tell you this is your second chance. I'm giving you to control your appetite. Please eat better. Please, please become more mobile. And that's what I tend to do. Get a patient to lose that weight and keep it off long term. Mm-hmm. That's huge, Dwayne. You know, I I think the the thing I took away from that conversation just now is that a lot of people get focused on but well, you're getting weight, so it's just to stop eating, like you said. Or you're getting weight, just go out there and work out. And then they do those things, right? They start working out, but they see no improvement. Mm. So they just start changing their diet, but they see no improvements. And they give up. And all of a sudden, it's crap, right? But really, as you're talking about, it's it's multifaceted in the sense that you're talking about nutrition. And you're talking about a hormonal component that if people don't know that's even an issue, you know, you're, you're kind of running a race that you're not ever going to win. So I think you... Uh, giving these medications as a, as a new perspective and a new solution to people is a game changer because now you're talking about people actually being able to see and control things that they really can't control. I mean, I think about people who are stressed out and, you know, the, the stress levels that we have, especially during COVID-19 or whatever else, they especially. are all time high, right? So COVID-15. Yeah. People are so stressed out about certain things. And I think the stress of also trying to say, look, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm not losing weight. That too can be stressful. So, you know, I, I think you providing these these new pathways for people to be able to control their weight gain is a game changer. And it, it helps me in my job as well, because there are so many people that we see that, yes, they could benefit from their PT better if they were able to lose weight, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to recognize that if there was a pathway for them to do that easier just helps so many different parts of the healthcare system work better. So I applaud you for that. Well, well you, you have to take away the stigma, right? Take away the stigma from surgery because people, surgery is essential when a person has a lot of comorbid conditions, they have hypertension, they have this deep apnea, cancers, okay? All are the results from you being overweight and morbidly obese, okay? So if a person's set point is elevated and they have all those, those things, do that surgery and bring it down. Bring it down. Get rid of those comorbid conditions that are saving your life. Surgery extends a person's life. Okay? People are like, ah, oh, it's an easy way out. Uh, no. Ask anyone who's really gone through surgery and has to now change their lifestyle. They'll tell you it's not an easy way out. Okay? The same thing now with medication. I tell well, I need to, no, no, I, I want to do it by myself. I, I, I said, go ahead. You'll get to that point where the hunger starts to take over. I, you know what? This help. I'm jumping all over the place, but I, I always tell patients: first of all, we are chronically uh, under stress as as blacks in America. You're chronically under stress. So, out of the four, white men, white women, black men, black women. Ooh is the one that's most under stress and chronically have a, a, a weight issue. Black women. Yeah. Okay? So they're, they're, they're constantly under that. Okay? And I, I, I go back to what I was going to say. It, it benefited us, our ancestors, when they were coming across that ship, okay, that long journey, the ones who were able to protect their weight 
were the ones who survived, the ones who could not protect their weight. They got thrown overboard. They perished. That's a survival mechanism that was ingrained in us. And I was, and offsprings have that gene, that thrifty gene, um, to, to benefit when times are hard. But in America, seldom go through droughts. We don't go to famines. We can eat how much we want, whenever we want. And, and, and so all that, that, that plenty has now led to obesity becoming a bigger and bigger epidemic. Yeah. Okay? That instinct, that survival mechanism, because that's why you recognize it's an, a disease that was initiated from inflammation. And so, you know, my, my thing is, I, I, you know, I can't be upset with a person when they have weight issues because I know no one wants to be heavy. Right. You know, no one wants to be. They don't want to be ostracized like that. They don't want people making fun of them. And they, they and the struggle is real. Okay. You think that you got, especially when you give you applause, you've lost a certain amount of weight. But you 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 don't change. That mm-hmm. has to be now a lifestyle change. Okay, okay. Spartan Sundays has to be a lifestyle change. Okay, we've done great work. Lots of people, you know, that that were heavy, and now they're able to move around. They they get better. They've changed their lifestyle. Yeah. But we also have people in our church that haven't changed their lifestyle, and they're vegetarians. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother. <laughs> right? That's a whole nother podcast. Clearly, <laughs> just like the the misconceptions of thinking that you know a certain diet can can be the end all for certain things, and it's, it's, no. it's never that. It's never that because like never said, trade offs. You didn't say it, but there are trade offs, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about never. sodium and whatever else that goes into those certain diets, and it makes it very interesting. But um. You know, I, I appreciate you sharing all the different techniques that have been used with medications. And I know there are a number of different. Um, There's about a new one that just dropped recently. Oh, really? What's that? It's called Trizetta. And again, that's a, a GLP, a gut hormone. It's the two gut hormones that, that they now use on that particular one. One that I was using before was a simple a GLP, um, glucagon like hormone and that's that's what we were using and that control that appetite the way i explained it but again um the gip the glp combination um which is, is the new one um seems that studies have shown it's even gotten that's doing better and some surgeries some people feel that you can decrease the need for surgical intervention when their bmi is not that high as high Okay, you, you want to. Be, it's hard for a person to, to lose enough weight um, to get rid of all those problems if your BMI is so high. You know. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, it's tough. So you know, you talked about medications and 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 you talked about people being able to do fitness and nutrition. But I know there are also a number of different techniques that have been used in the past. Um, people probably know about lap bands and and sleeves and all these different things that are being used 
Um, are these in conjunction with the medications in terms of making sure that people are losing weight and keeping it down, or are they are they separate now in terms of how you're operating and working with your patients? Me? Yeah. I use all the tools I have in my toolbox and personal use weight. Okay. <clears throat> For example, oh, you just mentioned that this is a lap band. Okay. It's a band that goes around the top part of the stomach. You adjust it through here. Fluid goes down here and, and tightens the band. But this, this procedure has fallen out of favor because it's, in order for this band to work properly, it has to be adequately adjusted and not too many. If you know surgeons, they're not very touchy-feely. They'll do their procedure and peace out, okay? Uh, for, a lab band, for a lab band practice, <clears throat> patients have to see me once, <clears throat> once a month and based upon how you're doing, I determine whether I put some fluid in this to tighten that. So it takes a lot of patience. And that's sort of what, what I do with medications now, right? I see them once a month and determine how much. So it was the same type of philosophy that led me into doing medications. That's that man. The sleeve is a procedure where I cut, I cut and move 80% of your stomach. Okay. This portion right here. Gas, of course, that's where ghrelin lives. I, I don't know if you heard, ghrelin's your hunger hormone. So I, if you cut away most of your hunger hormone, you tend not to be hungry. Right. Okay? And the stomach, if you see here, there's stretch receptors on them. When the stretch receptor, it, it looks like a football, now it looks like a banana. When it starts to stretch, it stimulates the vagus nerve. And you're like, whoa, I'm full. So what does it do? It controls the appetite. Okay, with the with the um, bypass, I form a little pouch, and then I cut and brings things a, a, a loop up here. So it goes into this little pouch and it goes here, bypassing the rest of the stomach. That's how those three major surgeries work. And that's um, and so the most popular procedure, the the band has fallen out of favor because of people not really understanding how to properly do it. Right. I trained at NYU where the grandfather, the godfather of bands, George Fielding was, is, and patients, and that's why I learned how, how to deal with the band. Patients did so well that people were constantly saying, they're, 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 they're fudging their data. You mm. know, people don't really do that well with this procedure. Yeah. And so not everyone is trained how to properly adjust the band. And so um, that sort of faded out. Um, the more popular procedure now is the sleeve gastrectomy. It's the one where you cut, remove. As long as the procedure is fine, I'm good. I, I did my procedure as a surgeon, right? That's why you have to really go to a program where the surgeon may will see you, make sure that you're fine, but he'll pass you on to the dietitian, the nutritionist, who are paramount, uh, like I mentioned, to get everything to really do well. They have support groups because it's all it's a mental thing that you're going through is you're losing that weight. Uh, and you have to have an exercise program that, that knows how to deal with a obese person, okay? They, they have to have the ability to talk to them properly and realize, okay, maybe I can slow down being as aggressive with this person but still encourage them become more active. So that's what it's all about, a whole approach 
dealing with weight. Yeah. And so what I tend to do with the band agents now is I will give them enough to make sure that it's controlling the volume of how much you can take in, right? And use the appetite suppressants to control the hunger. And that's a great combination, I think, when you combine both. Because what happens is you adjust the person who they're telling you, no, I'm starting to get hungry again. Then you start to tighten them. And some and tightening, you and sometimes you can over tighten the band. And if you over tighten the band, the person's throwing up, right. you know. And so that's what you hear a lot about bands. Or I, I had a friend who had a band and they threw up all the time. The band was too tight. But but patients don't want to give up that fluid because they're losing the weight. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they, they'd rather throw up than get some of that fluid out. Got it. Yeah, so it really sounds like, like you're saying, it's really a mental, physical, emotional um, perspective to make sure that people stay in this thing. And if you're addressing it from all the different avenues, then you will see success. And I guess if you don't, then you clearly won't. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about... Um, so many debates, right, about, you know, doing these procedures and, you know, doing the nutrition and, and doing the workouts and people who do all the things well, they see success. But there's some people who still say, you know what, scratch all that. I'm going to do whatever I see out there. And, you know, infomercials are one thing because they, they, they get you to think about uh, alternatives to putting in the work. And one of the things that people always ask me, I'm sure they've asked you the same question, is this thing about waist trainers, I, I get a waist trainer question pretty much once a week from someone wow. saying, hey, is a waist trainer good for me to do? And I just want you to just set the record straight for all those who are listening. Can we just talk about this real quick? Can you talk no, about waist trainers it. and why it is or not a thing that we should be doing? And be honest. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a believer in waist trainers. I don't think a restrictive procedure like that will have you lose adequate weight to keep that weight off long term. Um, and, and also, it restricts you, and then your musculature is all, nah, ah, you know better than that. No, it's not, it's not going to help you long term. And you, you want to lose that weight because it's, it's, a, it's a physical thing that's trying to stop a chemical change, and that's not really going to get, okay? So if you have a waist trainer, maybe you, it may make you look nice in that tight um, skirt, <laughs> but it's not going to do any benefit for you. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who had a waist trainer, and um, it really helped, I mean, it really messed her up and, 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 and ability to breathe and things like that. It's not, I don't think it's a good thing at all. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that because I, I try to share that with people who I work with as well and talk to and patients that I come in contact with. Because again, the constriction, right? It, 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 it can't be a good thing. And, and it, it, I think we, we get thrown off because society and TV and whatever else shows that it's, it's formidable and it's, it's attractive. And it's, if I have two weeks into a dress, I just do this. And people are in the gym wearing these things and they see someone wearing it and they say, oh, well, maybe it's a good thing for them to wear because they're wearing it, so I should do it too. But no. like you're saying, no, it is, it is not good for us to do those things. And like you said, I think you said it best, to fix a chemical issue 
with the physical thing cannot work. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Listen, Dwayne, we, we've had a number of people on the show talk about a number of things, and I love bringing on people who are experts in their craft because that's what the more today's show is about. Um, and the phrase has been something that we've asked everyone on the show what it means to them. You are number 98 in our lexicon of professionals who've been on the show. So when you hear the phrase, be more today, sir, what does that phrase mean to you? You know, when I think of be more today, I, and you, I thought you were going to send me this question. I think of a patient with, with their weight issue, okay? Being more today is going to be a point where you hit a plateau and not giving up when you hit that plateau that you stick with it, endure it, and all of a sudden, sudden that plateau will, will linger off. Mm. Okay? That's how my patients are. They'll hit that plateau. And the ones that stick with it, they're being more, they're enduring. They'll get through it and it'll get better today. Okay, so that's how I, that's what, when I think of being more today, that's the, the thing that I get in my mind, staying with the struggle. You can get through the struggle and you will get better. Things will get better if you endure it. Mm. Well said, sir. Dr. Perger, what's, what's next for you, man? What, what's on the agenda? What's the no. next thing for you? Where are we going? Talk to uh, <laughs> next thing I got to take my wife on a vacation. Period. <laughs> I'm gonna get looks for that. Um, but um, you know, I, I think um, I think there are lots of things on the horizon for weight management, and I think um, that's where I'm looking forward to. Cause I could, because right now it's so hard to see an end of this, but I think the newer things are being developed. There are lots of now new medications possibly coming down the pike. Um, pike. The pipe, I think the pipe. And so I think um, getting people to recognize that obesity is not some, a, a weakness, okay? That it's not a weakness, it's not your fault, that you can defeat this, but it's going to take time because it took time for that set point to rise, to protect the mechanism. And it's going to take time to lose that, that set point. Patients, one thing that I started stop, started to use is a um, impedance impedance scale. Okay, I don't strictly go by that BMI. I go by the body fat. Okay, and when you look at these impedance scales, they tell you body fat, and they tell you the muscle. Okay, when you lose too much weight too fast, which everyone wants to do, the body then will get its energy from somewhere. If it's getting it from the, it'll get it from the fat, but after a while, it'll start to leach into the muscle, okay? So you can get skinny fat, okay? You can lose too much weight, and if you're not building muscle, that becomes an issue. Right. So one thing that I start to do with my patients is they'll get, that's great, but I look at their body composition, and I always encourage them to increase that muscle. Muscle is the organ of longevity, okay? It'll, it'll do lots of great things if you build muscle. So I'm constantly encouraging them as I'm watching their weight go down to one, 
increase your fluid intake, increase your protein intake in order to build that muscle to make you stronger. I also work, I'm all over the place. I also do some work at, at, uh, at nursing homes. And the patients that, that have bad muscle density, the sarcopenia, they're the ones that are laying in that bed that can't get up, end up with the, all these bed sores, you know, because they can't move around adequately. While you're young, build that muscle, man. It's, it's going to preserve your life, make you feel better. Yeah. Folks, you're saying right now, use that muscle. It's going to make you feel better. Dr. Frederick, I love you. You know that. And um, I appreciate you having on, you being on the show. You've made episode 98 one for the books. And <laughs> it's just an honor, really. It's just, it's just cool knowing you for the time we've known you, my daughter, my wife, all the people that we've been in, in contact with together. And um, where can people follow you on, on social media or otherwise, <laughs> or your websites? Just let us know what's going on. I'm at that age group where I'm a, a bit too old for all of that. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not, I'm too old and not young enough. What do I mean by that? I have a web page, omegaweightloss.com. Omegaweightloss.com. I have an Instagram, um, Omega Weight Loss, and I have a, um, I IG, Omega Weight Loss. There you go. Simple, simple stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Folks, follow my yeah, band. I'm, but I'm learning how to post more things now. In fact, today on Instagram, I have a post that someone showed me how to do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, folks, if you haven't already gone on there, follow Mr. Dr. Fredericks on Omega Weight Loss, and he's out there doing great things in South Jersey and around the world. We thank you, doctor, for being on the show. I really appreciate you. And uh, in the spirit of Juneteenth, which is when the show is coming out, and uh, Father's Day weekend, you know, I wish you the best, and I appreciate the work that you're doing, not just for all people, for, for our people, right? We're talking about the things that really affect us. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think you and I share that same passion for health and wellness in, mm -hmm. in a variety of ways. So mm -hmm. um, I appreciate you and the work you're doing and I wish you the best. All right, brother. Wish you the best. And folks, if you forgot the quote from today, one more time, it's progress isn't always getting better. Sometimes it's about bouncing back. Success is not only the peaks you reach, it's the valleys you conquer by Adam Grant. You heard Doc talk about it. Go out there and, and be consistent. Being more to him is going out there and hitting that plateau and remaining consistent through the highs, through the lows, through the peaks and the valleys, and keeping that consistency in your life, whether it's your fitness, whether it's your weight loss, whether it's anything related to you as a person, go out there and strive to be better, to be more, and follow him on social media and platform as well. And of course, bemoretoday.com has my book, The Swag Store of the Podcast. We love you so much. And for those of you who are celebrating Juneteenth today, represent my people, you already know it's it's a it's a great thing for us to have this holiday for the first time, and yes. I pray and hope that we continue to shed the light that we need on our history, our culture, our greatness, our longevity, and for all those who celebrated Father's Day, Happy Father's Day to all you two guys and my dad, of course, love you so much. As I always say, please send me any thoughts or comments to drshawn.bemoretoday.com. If you want to connect with Dr. Dwayne, send it to me, and I'll get you guys in contact with him. Yes. And as always, folks, have a good day. Have a to good my night. brothers of Omega Sci-Fi. Yes, right. Be more today. That's right. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. 
Have All your right. final day and keep being great. Be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace out. journey starts with a thought, a vision, fueled by a why. But what's your why? Why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday? You already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent. You already know that next level results require next level effort, period. But why is today different than any other day? What's your why? How are you going to get to the next level? Most of you want to make it to the promised land of success, but aren't willing to make the sacrifices. Let me be clear. Nobody said it was going to be easy. No handouts. No excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake-up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm-up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action, just be better, just be more. Be more today. Yeah.